Hello, everybody, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Unending Rebuild Now. I'm proud of Is us for keeping this going for six. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Oh, yeah. wow. I think so. Wow. Look at that, six We're weeks, flying. about a month and there a half. Go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and as you heard our confusion at the beginning, we are also live streaming this on the Undroppables Twitter account as well for all of our podcast listeners. Uh, and for everyone checking in, uh, thanks for doing so. Uh, as always, it's myself, Will Kais, on alongside Josh Lee and Jared Perlman. Guys, say what's up. What's up, guys? Um, this is Josh Lee. Um, super excited to talk about the ambiguous situations. Uh, I don't think Kai's introdu- introduced that thus far, but that's actually the title of our uh, kind of title of our show right now. Um, we're going to be talking ambiguous situations, and I I love ambiguous situations. This is how we win in fantasy football. That's what James Conner was a part of last year, Leonard Fournette. Um, that's where you find massive value in drafts. So super excited to talk with with these guys. Yeah. Hey, guys. It's uh, it's Jared. Thanks for joining on the live stream and listening on the podcast. Uh, super excited also to go over these ambiguous groups. Uh, we got some a few different position groups around the league, uh, and we're going to figure out who's going to be the best guys there for you to draft and who's going to take home that title. So let's do it. So like the guy said, we will be doing those ambiguous situations today. Uh, with ambiguity comes opportunity, and we'll be really happy to bring some uh, thoughts and analysis about uh, a handful of those situations. Uh, but first, we're going to get into a few news and notes, as we always do. First things first, um, probably the biggest news out of this week was uh, John Mechie's diagnosis with leukemia. Um, really unfortunate. As, I mean... He just had a rough past year with the ACL tear than this. Thankfully, his prognosis is good. Um, I mean, we've seen things with this type of leukemia, 90% uh, cure rates. That's awesome. Uh, And with someone as healthy as he is, um, obviously, we're all hoping for the best in that situation. Hope he gets back on the field next year. Definitely. Sad to see, but, uh, you know, he's young and and healthy, and we'll, we'll hope to get him back here soon next year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, fantasy football side, like, um, obviously, like, life comes first and um, terrible to hear, but I know that this is a very, like, treatable, curable form of leukemia. Um, so, wishing John Mechie the speediest recovery and super excited to see him back on the field soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all the best to uh, Mechie there. We just wanted to begin with that today. But moving into more fantasy football related news and notes, uh, we got some uh, good news this morning. Uh, that James Robinson somehow isn't on the pup. He's not on the it's physically there. unable to perform list. Um, we're all shocked by that. I mean, it's quite incredible that a guy could tear his uh, Achilles in December and begin training camp uh, seemingly ready to go, at least in some limited capacity. Um, what do we think about this? Is this uh, is this is Robinson going to be impactful? Like, I mean, we know Achilles tears are the are the or the death of running backs. Um, do we think the ETN hype was too early? What are we thinking about all of this? I mean, that's what you call a dog. <laughs> this guy, like, oh man, it, I, there was so much talk that, oh, James Robinson won't be healthy for first half of the year. He's healthy by training camp. He blew everyone's expectations out of the water. I'm super excited for James Robinson this year. Um, he's being slept on massively people were already writing him off and saying Travis Etienne was going to be the the guy this year I'm still in on Travis Etienne by the way um but James Robinson is just a steal he's 
being drafted like the very end, like 16th round of drafts. Like, yeah, you got to get him there. He, he's an absolute steal in all formats right now. I mean, I think he's maybe like 11th to the 13th, somewhere around there in redraft or maybe the 10th, but in dynasties even later. And, and you just got to go get him. I, I can't believe he's going, he's coming back earlier than guys like JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards who uh, tore their ACLs before preseason uh, and, or before the season started. And now we got James Robinson who injured his Achilles in December and he's already back before preseason or before training camp. He's ready to go. Uh, absolute dog. I think we're all big dog. James Robinson guys uh, here. Uh, I, I love James Robinson. I hope he, he's back to full health. Uh, obviously, we saw Cam Akers not be able to come back super strong in the playoffs after a quick recovery. But if they give him a little bit more time uh, once the season starts, I, I love him. And he's great value right now. So good good for him and and happy to see him on the field yeah yeah, i'm so happy for him i think uh, him and etn can really be like a great running back combination that i don't oh, think yeah. anyone's really talking about oh yeah and doug um, peterson loves the duo yeah, yeah we know yeah. that's a committee coming absolutely yeah. yeah yeah i just i really hope that robinson can actually show that he can perform after the achilles tear because we've yet to see that happen so i don't want to put the cart in front of the horse too much here but um, I just hope that Robinson's able to actually do well because you, you always love seeing an undrafted guy getting that second contract. You know, though that's really what he deserves. And I mean, I hope the Jags like like take care of him. I think he deserves it definitely for the mileage he put in. <laughs> We've seen the Jags not take care of their running backs in the past, but uh, well, someone and, will take care of them. <laughs> and in general, unfortunately, running backs don't get taken care of. But I, you're right. We we're hoping he gets that big second contract, at least a decent one for an undrafted guy, super hard worker, and uh, and a great talent. So. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely earned his spot in the league. Um, I mean, he finishes, what, the RB3 in his rookie year as an undrafted rookie? Like, that's insane. Crazy. Um, yeah. And Doug Peterson, I think that James Robinson will get work no matter what. Like, no matter, like, what he, like, what level he's at. Maybe he doesn't have the same explosion that he had before the Achilles tear. But Doug Peterson gave, like, Jordan Howard. Absolutely. 150 carries but he loves jordan so. howard for some reason <laughs> that's true they're best friends they must be best friends they have steak dinners every night <laughs> yeah they're having breakfast howard's Eating picking up the tab every time <laughs> <laughs> he's buying his way onto the field <laughs> yeah uh, miles sanders got a he, he should have done the same thing <laughs> he, he didn't want he it he didn't it. want it bad enough yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have that don't dog draft him. don't draft him <laughs> <laughs> draft him <laughs> all right well moving on from uh james robinson's uh superhero like recovery i don't ridiculous uh let's talk about some uh green bay packers where they have, uh, some notable attention say uh including their head coach matt lafleur and their uh gm brian goodkunst um what do we think about Good this kunst. uh yeah very Ryan, good name. Good, good um, <laughs> Well, we know that uh, it's going to continue to be a committee back in Green Bay, probably. You know, lots of Aaron Jones and uh, AJ Dillon, um, and you know, maybe, maybe no more first round or n continue to be no more first round receivers for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, lots of continuity in Green Bay, as we expected. Uh, a uh, little foreshadowing there. Um, I will be talking heavily on that entire offensive situation, so stay tuned for for some. Packers ambiguity uh, 
um, and where the value can be found there. Excited for that. Excited for that. And, and also in good news, my personal vendetta against Matt LaFleur can continue for a shambolic usage of Aaron Jones. So um, maybe this year he can redeem himself. <laughs> Since since there uh, since Brian Goodkins has decided to give Aaron Rodgers zero wide receivers, um, maybe. Wait, what about your guy, uh, Christian Watson? Hey, I mean, <laughs> almost, all right, point, almost point, point five wide receivers. <laughs> you got a half a receiver there. Um, but with you know, I don't know Aaron Jones in the slot. Oh, I'm I'm excited for an 80 catch Aaron Jones season. I think that's possible. That's good. I definitely think that's possible. I, I like Aaron yeah. Jones this year. Oh. It's exciting. I have him. Yeah. I have him penciled in for a hundred targets. Oh, I love yeah. that. Love yeah. that. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, love that. All right. Are you guys ready to move on to the next topic? My personal no. favorite. Yeah, no. Jared's important topic of the week here. <laughs> yes, sir. This is a huge, huge news. Kyler Murray was extended for five years, $230 million. It wraps him up uh, in Arizona until the 2028 season. Um, and the, the biggest news, in my personal opinion, why I really wanted to bring it up, because I think a lot of people were aware that he was probably going to get signed and stay in Arizona. Um, but Arizona has put a clause in Kyler's contract that stipulates that he must perform four hours of film watching duties per week, uh, every week during the season, whenever they have a game, including the playoffs and including the regular season. So he has to have independent study, which is outside of their, of outside of their team activities on his iPad or, or however else the team gives him that, that film. And he's got to spend his time. And they specifically said he needs to be watching that film. He can't just have it playing. And he cannot end the contract that says that he cannot be watching TV or playing video games or browsing the internet. <laughs> so clearly they have seen him do all three of those things while watching film and not pay attention I, at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I, have a, I got a couple <laughs> thoughts on this. I got a couple thoughts. First... They're paying him $250 million to do that for something that I do free for this podcast every week. So yeah. that one stings a little bit. That one stings a little bit. Um, I like that this is in his contract and the contracts are public. Um, so they clearly it was such an issue that they needed to stipulate it in the contract as opposed to just saying like, all right, so you're going to take this seriously now? You know, like they actually had to like, they actually had to like write it down. They just spent four hours a week doing this. That's, yep. that's hysterical to me, knowing full well that this would go public. And He's also legally just, obligated like, now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also I just have this image of like Kyler Murray sitting at like, like a little park bench or something with like a little leapfrog tablet, like going through like the upcoming <laughs> game plan or something like that. I'm just, I, I love this. This is what we do this for. Wait, wait, guys. What is a leapfrog tablet? <laughs> oh, it's like one of those little like educational tablets. It's like one of those little iPads for kids. I thought you were gonna roast him like he's gonna have like a giant phone like in his lap, like a little kid sitting down there. <laughs> it's no, similar. yeah, I'm, it's similar. I mean, I, I mean, probably like Kyler's not ecstatic about that. He, it's cutting into his video game time. Like this is his exactly. prime gaming hours. Yes, yeah, like, sir. You know, F1. you know, Kyler's a gamer. Um, but yeah, K-1. I mean. Okay, we, we, we knew F1. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> I mean, we, we knew Kyler would eventually sign here. Like, he was going to mm-hmm. get the big money. The Cardinals were definitely going to pay him. Um, but kind of like building off of all this, what's what's Lamar going to get paid? Because he's kind of 
He's yeah. waiting in the weeds for his contract. Uh, reports are Not that even like, contract talks are yeah. like it's stalled a little bit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know if he's going to get a contract before the season. So, what's Who his knows? contract going to look like? Yeah. He'll get paid. He'll get yep. paid. He's, it's not going to be the seven years too. It'll just be like five, I think. Uh, like, or maybe it'll be a longer extension, like Mahomes, or I think Josh Allen was six years. But uh, he won't have the additional like rookie contract year and the fifth year option that I think Kyler is including on Kyler's contract. So he'll be able to get probably bigger money and have another contract sooner. So good for him. It, it should be massive. And you know, he's a winner. He's a great player. QB one, not just player I mean, MVP. one. MVP. Yes, sir. Former MVP. Unanimous MVP. Second ever. Yes, sir. Yes. The dog. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my first thought when I saw this Kyler extension was, wow, the Ravens are pissed right now. Mm. Oh, they yeah. Saw Lamar that. is they, Lamar yeah, is Lamar is ecstatic. Yep. The Ravens are livid. So <laughs> you knew that was gonna happen when that mm-hmm. uh when that was announced. Uh so Let's go ahead and move into our main topic for today, where we're going to be discussing ambiguous positional groups. So what we mean by this are different positional groups uh, around the league where uh, we're not really sure the situation's like. Who's going to be getting however many touches? Uh, and with situations like that uh, comes opportunities. Like what we like to say, with ambiguity comes opportunity. So uh, you might have a guy that's, you know, his ADP is kind of low right now because people aren't really thinking he's going to get a lot of touches. But we might see it other in another way and think, you know what? There's value to be had there because of how, ambig- how ambiguous the situation is. Maybe they get uh, their value increases as the season goes on. So with that, uh, we're touching on six different ambiguous positional groups today. We're talking about the Dolphins running backs, the Raiders running backs, the Texans running backs, and then for our receivers, we'll be doing the Chiefs receivers, the Bills receivers, and then the Packers wide receivers. So we'll be going uh, in that order in our discussion. So first today, we have our Dolphins running backs. Now, I think the Dolphins running backs uh, are probably the most chaotic positional group in the league right now. It's up there. There's just so many bodies. Um, uh, it's They brought in three free agents. They have a new head coach. Uh, they have two of their contributors from last year. They have two younger guys that could in some world contribute. It's really just, it's really an interesting situation. And when I see that, I see value. So just kind of, uh, beginning a fresh year with, uh, our chat about the, uh, dolphins running back situation. I wrote down one word in my notes. I wrote down chaos. Um, like I said, so many bodies, new coach, and we know that Mike McDaniel is going to have a successful running game. It won't be like the Dolph- uh, the Dolphins of last year when they were 30th in yards and 31st in yards per carry. So it'll be a completely different team, and they're going to be using the outside zone system that they use over in San Francisco uh, that Kyle Shanahan pioneered and is always successful. Alongside that comes even more ambiguity inherently with the system. I mean, McDaniel's shown a, a complete disregard for draft capital like last year with Elijah Mitchell over Trey Sermon. There's also... Um, a higher injury risk as well amongst these players. So we have to think about that all uh, in, in regards to this. So right now, the Dolphins have a crazy seven running backs on their depth chart. We got Chase Edmonds, Sonny Michelle, Raheem Mostert, uh, Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed, uh, Zachondre White, and Jared Dokes. And, you know, I think the by far and away, 
the best player in this group right now is Chase Edmonds. I think Chase Edmonds is a hundred percent that guy. A hundred percent. I I I think this is perceived as an ambiguous group, but as I started digging more and more into this today, I think Chase Edmonds is that guy. So definitely jump on that value now when you can. So he signed a two-year deal, twelve million uh, from the Cardinals. Uh, beat reporters are already speculating he's ready for that lead role. We know we're not really sure what that looks like, but I think it'll be pretty good for him and a good amount of touches. Uh, and also in Arizona, he played the inside zone run scheme, similar to the outside zone. Uh, you got to use similar things like patience, waiting for the holes to line up. Uh, so he's used to that kind of like that system. So, uh, and McDaniel signed him for a reason. So McDaniel has faith that he's going to uh, fit within that scheme. Then also, uh, he was first in the NFL last year uh, with 5.8 yards per attempt in the zone running scheme. We know he can uh, catch the ball and he's good at pass blocking. He allowed no sacks uh, in 132 uh, pass blocking snaps over the last three years. So he's really solid there too. He really has the, the, the ability here to be a three down back if they let him. Uh, they showed some willingness uh, in last year with Elijah Mitchell in that type of role. Like not quite a true three down back, but he was out there a bit. And uh, I think that he's really the lead guy that's going to take over here. I don't have a lot of faith in Sonny Michelle. I don't think he's that efficient. I don't think that he's that exciting of a player, uh, maybe for the shorter uh, yardage situations. Uh, Mostert, I like Raheem Mostert. He's obviously has the experience in the system, but he just can't stay healthy. Um, he's played, he played one game last year and eighth year prior. He's had four right knee injuries, two, uh, high right ankle sprains. I'm not really buying into that, especially at 30 years old. I think miles Gaskins, a cut candidate, which is weird. Cause he was, um, partly the starter last year. They could save 2.5 million against the cap. Uh, if they do cut him, uh, and then the other guys I think are just practice squad guys or, uh, maybe cut candidates as well. So I'm curious to hear what you guys think about the Dolphins backfield situation. That's how I see it. What are y'all's thoughts? Uh, yeah, I like, uh, I mean, I think, uh, some of those, like, I think Dokes has a chance to make the roster if they cut Gaskin. Um, I I'd be interested to hear. I mean, I think, uh, Mostert now being healthy today. Um, I think he said he tweeted out today that he's uh, healthy and ready to practice. He already has familiarity in that system. Um, and also uh, a stat I saw on Chase Edmonds in 55 career games, he's only had 13 carries in five games, uh, over 13 carries in five games. Uh, so he's never been able he's to fresh. He's he, fresh. I, I mean, you know, he's been on the field though. Like, like you said, he's always pass protecting and he does run routes and he has the ability to be on the field for those third down situations. But I think that he loses a lot. He's going to lose a lot of that end zone work. So uh, Sony Michelle, um, or possibly one of the other guys. Um, he's not the biggest at five nine, about two ten. Um, and I don't know. I I I think there's going to be a bit of a committee, but like you said, uh, we have seen uh, uh, McDaniel use a soul a soul back and Elijah Mitchell um, for some of the year last year. Um, but I think you know Edmonds has never been that guy. He's never had a a large workload, and so I don't expect him to to take that kind of workload on this year. That's, that's, that's for me. Yeah. Um, I have a few thoughts here. Um, I think there's a ton of value to be had in fantasy in the Miami Dolphins backfield. I completely agree with all of that. Like the highest drafted running back is Chase Edmonds in like the 10th round, which is just insane value for a guy who profiles in as to be the lead back, but kind of like what promo was saying, 
it's a little bit worrying that Chase Edmonds might not get any of the goal line work um, in Miami. Maybe what Miami does is kind of what they did last season where whenever they're down within the five-yard line, they just throw like an out route to Jalen Waddle or Tyree Kill. Um, we saw them do that a few times last year or even just throw like a end zone fade to Mike Gusecki, something like that, something along those lines. And I can see that being a possibility. Um, I like Chase Edmonds. Like Kai's listed off all of the big stats. Um, he was top 10 in a lot of efficiency metrics. I expect him to get a decent amount of work. He'll probably get about like, I want to say 50 to 60% of the snaps and like 150 carries, like 60 targets, 70 targets, what have you. But actually at the end of the drafts, I know Kai said that he doesn't like Sony Michelle. Perlman said he doesn't like Sony Michelle either. Um, I'm I don't like Sony Michelle in terms of efficiency. I like Sony Michelle in terms of he can score you touchdowns at like the and he's he's free in drafts. And a lot of drafts right now, he's not even being drafted. Um, and they signed him over there last season. He had the ninth most red zone touches in the entire league. He had 47 red zone touches. I, he didn't convert too many of them. He only had five total touchdowns. But he, other teams, I don't know if that's like, great. <laughs> it, it's definitely not great, but teams trust him because he's just so big and like he's huge. Well, he's, trust he's him a after really big injuries to their two back. starters, though. Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, like, they didn't when, have to when run you're, in the end zone, though. When you're down at, the, I know they definitely they don't definitely don't, don't have to. That's why I prefaced it with like they could throw these little out routes. No, I meant the but Rams. Like, like, but oh, the Rams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll um, but yeah, like when you're at the one yard line, are you going to put Chase Edmonds there? Or so Sony Michelle, exactly. the guy who's like like five ten two oh five or six one two twenty, like you're gonna give it to the bigger back just because he's all he has to do is fall in. There there doesn't it doesn't really take much skill. You just want the bigger body back. Um, and Sony Michelle showed has shown that he can like find the end zone sometimes. So um, I think Sony Michelle's value. I think Chase Edmonds's value. There's a ton of value in this Miami Dolphin backfield. Uh, so cake off of all of the ambiguity and people being uncertain about who's going to be the lead back. I, I think, think it's a great that situation. redraft, there's a lot of value, but in dynasty, I I'd be very scared. I mean, me too. Redraft, me too. Definitely. But dynasty wise, like these guys aren't like content. They aren't lead back guys They They haven't produced in at like a three down role in the NFL previously. Um, no one except most who like I said is very injury prone. And even with, uh, Chase Edmonds going to a new team and po having that possibility, like I would be scared of Mostert uh, starting off the year. At he is healthy right now, and until he is hurt, which you know, of course, we don't want, but we might have to expect with this player. He he's going to see the field. He's a good running back. He's very fast, and he, he has familiarity. I think he's 29 now, um, maybe 30. He's getting. I mean, he's obviously up there, but he's going to see. He's the 30. Field. He's 30. He's 30. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, I mean, he's going to see the field this year, though. Uh, they signed him. He's they brought him in. And fast as hell. Yeah, and he's good. And so until he's hurt, and obviously he was hurt in week one last year, uh, he's going to see the field. And so I'm scared even in a redraft a little bit uh, for those guys starting out slow when they're all going to see the field. Um, and then in Dynasty, I, I don't know which one is, is going to continue to be the back in the future. Chase Edmonds is there for two years, but is he there longer? Do they draft somebody? Uh, I wouldn't expect them to continue with this roster uh, of running backs next year. Hey, it's a yeah, sell high me, window for Chase Edmonds. Yeah, for, oh, for me, I think he's a it's a good per time to buy right now if you're a contender because he definitely I think is a value and will uh, outperform the uh, general perceived value that he has now. And all, I, one thing Chase? I like to do, Chase, yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, one thing that I like to do also just follow the money. You know, they gave him two years, 12 mil, and they only gave Sonny one year for 1.75. You know, I mean, I think that speaks volumes with how they perceive it and how the league perceives the two different players. So, yeah, but, um, yeah. guys, uh, do you know what Sony was paid last year? Because Sony had like, let me see, how many carries they have last year? Last year he had, he was eight carries, yeah. 12th in the league. Uh, 845 rushing yards, 18th in the league. Uh, how much was he paid last year? I know he was, he didn't he didn't get a big contract from the Rams. Yeah, yeah they only they only got him as like insurance to Acres and Henderson, and then they ended up meeting him. And like I was looking at his uh, I was looking at the postseason stats once Acres and Henderson were getting healthy, uh-huh. and, and I think in the Super Bowl he had like one carry for two yards and. Uh, his playoff stats were 26 carries for 80 yards, three catches for negative eight. So yeah, but like it's, it's not. <laughs> Akers had like 25 carries for 40 yards. Yeah, he was. Pretty, <laughs> what I'm saying is that he lost. He but he lost work to Cam Akers, who's coming well, off yeah, torn Achilles. I mean, they love Cam Akers there. Like Sean McVay is going to force the ball, yeah. force feed the ball. I mean, I Akers. think we know that Sony Michelle is obviously not the best running back. No, yeah, but, that's not what I'm arguing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's proved that you know he can see the field too. He he can pass block. He's a big body. Like I think he is going to take some of that goal line work, and maybe he doesn't see anything else. But if you take touchdowns away from a guy who probably isn't going to see that many touchdowns anyway, he may not be a very high scorer when he's not seeing three down work either. Uh, I, I'm concerned about him why I shipped him off last year when he wasn't seeing all those things as well. Oh, yeah, um, I, I got you. <laughs> I got him from you, Perlman. Hey, Give I mean, I, I got a bum too, but at least I got a pick. So I, at least yeah, I got that's a true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Hey, you know, I, I just think that they're like, it's not a long-term value. And if you can jump on it and then jump out later, then that's great. Uh, always love plan. to do that. You know, that's the plan. But, <laughs> yeah hopefully hopefully like once uh if chase edmonds like assumes that lead role like after the first few weeks just like ship him off to one of the contenders because you know i'm in a full rebuild right now <laughs> yeah, i don't need those points on my team man. I'm, yeah i definitely don't want those points on my team rebuild one guy yeah. like too is a Condre white too because i just think if you can just throw him on your taxi squad for cheap and how that system I mean, cycles through running backs he's a good I, story I, I, I like that. I mean, he's an, he was an outside linebacker story. for his day. Yeah. But like, one thing I like story. about him too, though, one thing I like about him too is that as he converted back to running back at South Carolina, he started to take – he took so much work from Kevin Harris the senior year and he looked well, way Kevin, better doing it. Kevin I'm not – off a broken back. Hey, six-round pick though. So just saying. It'll be – it's an interesting little thought, but he looked – he was more efficient that work. Uh, what was that? Is the quadrant? No, he was undrafted. He was undrafted. He was undrafted. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, they signed so he's definitely definitely a practice squad guy for this year. Maybe you can learn the system. But hey, I mean, look at the running backs that have been successful in Shanahan's system. They're they're nobodies. You know, they're they're guys. And in Miami. It, so yeah, lots yeah. of undrafted guys there too. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think Gaskin's a cut candidate. Like I said, they could save uh two point five million um cutting him this year. Also, I saw one stat uh on player profile that kind of gave me a chuckle. Um uh he had the highest percentage of light front carries a uh, light front carry is considered six or fewer defenders in the box and still only had 3.5 yards per carry Ooh. so um yeah i think i like I, I liked miles gaskin for like those couple weeks when he was getting some work out of the back and they had like nobody except him but i, I i'm not really seeing a future there 
Yeah. Um, um, I, I will also say we didn't ever mention Teron Armstead going to Miami. Oh, yeah. That's a, yeah, that's that's a huge, huge upgrade for their offensive that's, line. That's true. Uh, yeah. Left tackle from the Saints previously for many years, uh, and they got him this year in, I believe, free agency, um, but maybe it was a trade. Uh, but either way, it, that drastically improves both their run game and their pass protection. So that's huge yeah. uh, for for their team in general. So yeah, I can't see their running game not not being better than last year. Um, and I think yeah. that'll help Tua a lot too. Um, so I'm excited to see how yeah. that offense improves generally. Agreed. Um, all right, so let's move on from the Dolphins' backfield. Uh, and we can go into our next running back situation, which will be the Las Vegas Raiders. All right. Uh, so the Raiders uh, this year, they moved on from John Gruden in the middle of the year uh, after some scandals. And then they replaced him with Josh McDaniels, um, been with the Patriots for a long time, a previous head coach in Denver um, and been the offensive coordinator for a while in New England. Uh, so for the past few years, we've seen a real committee approach. Uh, I think we know Bill Belichick loves that, but we know that Josh McDaniels does too. Uh, when he was the head coach uh, for two years in Denver, um, he had no Sean Marino for a couple of years, but he also was giving about 120 car carries a year to Carell Buckhalter. Uh, I don't even know who that is. I don't remember that guy at all. Uh, and he was getting like 120, 130 carries a year. Um, so exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're going to expect uh, multiple running backs here to have carries. I, I think for years people have uh, wanted Josh Jacobs to be unleashed. Um, and we've had a few head coaches now, and I don't think anything is going to change in terms of his uh, three down usage. It's it's not really going to happen. I don't, I don't expect. So this year they drafted Samir White in the fourth round and 122nd overall. Uh, out of Georgia, he's 5'11", 215. Uh, he used to be the number one uh, recruit, number one running back in his class, but he suffered two ACL tears, uh, one his senior year of high school in his right knee, and then his freshman year uh, at Georgia, he tore his ACL in his left knee. Um, unfortunately, he's been, you know, he had to deal with that for a few years. Um, and then when he finally was healthy, he sat behind DeAndre Swift for a year. Um, but then he assumed lead role duties for two years at Georgia. And he actually was pretty good, 5.4 yards a carry in the SEC both years, uh, with his best year for 160 carries for 856 yards and 11 touchdowns. He had 11 touchdowns both years. Uh, he can clearly find the end zone. They had a great rushing attack at Georgia, uh, as I think anyone who was watching college football saw uh, him and James Cook were just beasts uh, on the field together, carrying that offense. Um, and obviously James Cook was drafted much higher, um, but I think that Zamir White is still a really good back and he profiles more as a committee back, uh, probably similarly to James Cook as well. Um, but I still think he's going to have a lot of value in this offense. Uh, Josh Jacobs has not seen um, a ton of continued usage. He's been hurt. Um, in all three years, he's missed a few games. Um, and Samir White has shown that he can handle a, a decent amount of uh, work. And he's a good running back. Uh, he came back from two ACLs and then uh, wasn't hurt really uh, severely the last three years of uh, his playing career. So it shows that he has been durable um, in the past. Uh, obviously, we like to shy away from ACLs, but it's it's different knees. And we've seen a guy like Frank Gore have multiple ACL tears um, and then go on to have long career. So that's what we're hoping for a guy like Samir White. Um, drafted in the fourth round, so uh, decent capital 
Um, and I really like, I really like him. I know Kai's loves him. Um, and, and so I know he'll have some things to say after this, but, um, so they, they also have a few more running backs there in, uh, in Oakland. They have Kenyon Drake on his last year of his contract and they signed, uh, Brandon Bolden as well, uh, coming over from new England, uh, with Josh McDaniel and Brandon Bolden was actually, uh, I'm going to talk about Kenyon Drake and Brandon Bolden together. Cause they're both more of a pass catching backs. So we think they'll probably come in on third downs where Josh Jacobs and Samir white will share that. Uh, lead back role on first and second down and make it a little bit of that goal line work um, between them two. But Brandon Bolden and Kenyon Drake are both more uh, committee and receiving back types. And Brandon Bolden was PFF's highest grading graded receiving back last year. He actually had more catches than he had or targets than he had rushes last year. He had 44 rushes and 49 targets and uh, 41 catches for 405 yards, uh, 10 yards a clip. He's a good run receiving back. He's a good pass catcher. And I expect Josh McDaniels both knows that and wants to use him. So he's going to take some of that third down role from, jo uh, from Josh Jacobs. He's obviously, he's obviously being drafted kind of as a committee back right now in RB 22. Um, but I think Josh Jacobs is a little bit scary as a dynasty asset uh, because they didn't pick up his fifth year option. Um, it, it would be 10 year, uh, $10 million for that fifth year option next year for Josh Jacobs. Um, however, I, I still think the Raiders will resign him maybe eight or $9 million a year, maybe, maybe $7 million. Um, but they just didn't want to pay him that $10 million that would vault him into about the seventh or eighth highest paid running back in the league. Um, and that way they can get some, uh, some flexibility this year, having drafted Samir and they can see what he is. Um, so I, I think that both of those guys are going to remain on the team, Zamir and Josh Jacobs. And hopefully after this year, one of those guys can take a receiving role, um, that they haven't been in the past. I, I expect it'll be Zamir. If he can show off that capability, he didn't get a lot of chance in college, but, uh, I like Zamir, uh, and Josh Jacobs to both be there in the future and to both be productive backs, uh, in the Josh McDaniel system. What do you guys think? Yeah, uh, I think the Josh McDaniel system is is going to, we know it's going to be a committee, you know, it's going to be kind of messy, it's going to be kind of chaos. But if there's someone from a dynasty perspective that I want here, it's definitely Zamir. Um, I think he's what they want Jacobs to be with a bit more burst to him, uh, which they, I'm sure they'll suit, they'll be dying for a bit here. And I just, I, I don't, I disagree. I think Jacobs is, is gone after this year. Um, I'm guessing that they're not going to want to pay, um, him, I don't think they'd want to pay any running back really, uh, any significant amount of money. And I think Zamir profiles as to what they want Jacobs to and what Jacobs does. Uh, and that kind of alongside not picking up the option kind of leads down that road, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but I do think it'll end up being a committee though. Uh, I think that, um, I mean, Bolden after this year, he I doubt he'll be there. He'll be like 33 after the season, so I don't think he's going to be there. Yeah. Kenny, and, Kenny and Drake, who really knows? Uh, injuries seem to have taken uh, quite the toll on him. Uh, I see Josh making some faces at what I'm <laughs> saying, so I'm scared for his rebuttal. Um, I think he's but... just talking about Kenyon Drake. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm out of Kenyon Drake. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, but... I'm, I'm more in on this uh, Josh Jacobs blasphemy. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying that I think that Zamir White's coming out of a really good time. Uh, I think if you haven't drafted your rookie drafts and you're able to get them like late second, 
early third, something like that, you're getting really good value. Um, and I think that if you're a rebuilder, it'd be a great time to buy. Cause I think that the, even if Josh Jacobs does stay, let's say that he's still going to be in a committee. He's still going to get those touches. And I think that his value will increase regardless. So I think I it agree. could be an interesting buy right now as a rebuilder, um, where you can afford to wait this year. And even by the end of the year, there's a good chance he's starting to command more and more touches. So I think that'd be a really good purchase right now. I absolutely agree. I think that's good points. Yeah. So. I agree with most of what Kai's is saying, but there were two points that didn't sit well with me. Um, one of them being that Zamir White is going to like command like a large share of this running back backfield. I mean, okay, like Josh McDaniels, he did say that he's going to have a running back by committee. I don't disagree that that's what's going to happen, but. I think once it gets down into like the valuable touches, who's going to get the targets, who's going to get the red zone touches, it's going to be Josh Jacobs. And because they didn't pick up his fifth year option, they are fully obligated to just run Josh Jacobs into the ground. They're not worried about his long-term health. Josh Jacobs isn't worried about his long-term health. He played in his rookie year with like a dislocated shoulder. This man doesn't care at all about his body. He is a dog. He will go out there and just play football because I, I love Josh Jacobs just like from like a story perspective. I know Kai's like loves Zamir White because like he has the no, J- Jacobs story. has a cool story too. I read his yeah, Players like, Tribune article. It's crazy. It's yeah. it's absurd. Like the Raiders really have just some crazy story backfields where like Josh Jacobs like built he took his family out of homelessness and he came into the NFL. And so just some stats on Josh Jacobs. Last year he was 17th in red zone touches. Um Fifth in reception, so we know that he profiles in as like a good, solid, like he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, probably my f- my two favorite stats for Josh Jacobs. He was seventh in the NFL in evaded tackles and ninth in the NFL in yards created. He's an efficient back. I think the coaching staff will understand that he's an efficient back and they're going to give him the valuable touches. Another thing that doesn't sit well with me is the fact that Zamir White was actually a zero, th- zero percentile prospect in terms of yards created after what was blocked for him whereas josh jacobs in the nfl is the ninth best running back in terms of yards created after what's blocked for him so i think that that like distinction is going to show in this first in this zamir white's first year he might not see the field as much as kais is leading on for us to believe i think zamir white is a good buy i like him as a prospect long term but for this year i think it's still the josh jacobs show yeah, just to clarify quickly, I don't think that Zamir is going to be like right off the bat, like getting much share, maybe like five carries a game. But I think there's a there's a there's a, a path that by the end of the year, maybe that gets up to like 12, 15, uh, especially if they want to just see what they got. If the Raiders are cash struggling in that um, bad in that great division, I don't think they necessarily will, but there's that chance. Um, but yeah, I, I another thing I wanted to touch on, too, about Josh Jacobs is. Um, actually a pro Josh Jacobs thing is I think oftentimes we get lost with his stats and they don't really seem that efficient when you look at them. You know, you see he gets a lot of touches. He's got like four yards carry roughly, but also the Raiders offensive line for running has been terrible. Um, so I think that has to be considered too. That's something I forget about often when I think of Josh Jacobs, I think of him as some like boring, hit your head against the wall guy, but I, maybe he could do more. He did have those receptions. I'm not sure if he's the best after the catch. Um, because I, I maybe I'm wrong, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's a bit more than meets the eye, especially if you were to get uh, improved offensive line play. 
Yeah, I mean, Josh Jacobs is a good running back. And the reason I think that they'll re-sign him is because he is a good running back. And I'm always skeptical of running backs going to new teams, especially good running backs that are going to want good value because people don't like, other teams don't like to pay running backs. It's hard to find a running back that back that you know is going to fit in your system. Uh, we've seen that a lot, that high-valued running backs um, don't always fit into systems. And then we've also seen that, you know, running backs are, are uh, expendable sometimes and teams like to turn through them and draft new guys. And so other teams don't like to go out and pay other teams running backs. And, and so maybe Josh doesn't command uh, the contract that I uh, said, but I, I think picking up the fifth year option is, is strictly more of a business move uh, rather than a football move. Um, I think that they like Josh Jacobs there. Um, and I think that uh, we'll, I, we'll obviously see what happens. Um, but I, I think that uh, we can have a committee back, field situation there and still uh maybe next year i think josh jacobs probably does like josh said command most of the touches this year um in terms of their split between zamir white and him um but uh, there's obviously going to be brandon bolden and Kenyon drake still mixed in i, I would expect josh jacobs to see the field maybe 60 percent of the time right now uh to to start the year and he may drop down to say 50 percent or 45 to end the year if samir can handle more of the load uh, but I, I think that uh next year we could see more of a 50 50 split uh if samir shows that he has the stuff which he has had in the past and if he can get that back then uh we'll see but yeah that's how i feel about it yeah to to give perlman's uh like 60 percent split for josh jacobs some context last season josh jacobs had a 63 percent snap share so like it wouldn't be like a huge drastic change from previous seasons. Um yeah, yeah I just wanted to touch yeah. on that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think I think Zamir's uh price is important to keep in mind too, you know, like he's not priced that highly. And since since we've already discussed all these different paths where he can mm -hmm. get touches, I think he's a really good buy right now. Yeah, which I because also agree. Yeah. 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 He, yeah, yeah, he has a great path for next year and maybe maybe at the end of the year. But in Dynasty, uh, you love to get a guy that has a good path there at the end of the second, maybe early third uh, as a rebuilding team, especially like I he's a great buy for that. Mm -hmm. Where did you get him in our draft, guys? Uh, I think it was three seven. I loved it. Oh, I remember yeah. I remember yeah. I made the pick driving back from New Jersey. It was perfect. Uh, I actually I handed the the phone over to Mar and had her take the pick. So uh, <laughs> I had her some, doing some, some research there. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's meaningful. It's meaningful. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move it. on to uh, yeah, yeah. Well, let's move on to our next running back situation. Uh, we're going to go into the Texans running back. So perhaps a bit less uh, glamorous over here in Houston. But I'm actually kind of excited for this. Um, for this situation because i think it's it seems like it's it had, there's the potential for there to be a bell cow role i'm not saying there will be and i'm saying it can only be from one guy but i think the potential exists and i think the offense in itself it could be a bit underrated as well uh, i'm a bit curious to see how they're able to improve with davis mills um I think he's pretty solid uh i love brandon cooks we know i'm a nico collins guy so we'll, we'll We'll see. We'll see how much Brevin Jordan can take a step. We'll see how the offense is. We know the offense is great for uh, for uh, running backs, and we're able, if especially we can tie a good quarterback in with them. So the main guys that they have are Marlon Mack, Damian Pierce, uh, Rex Burkhead, and Royce Freeman. So one guy stands out from those, in my opinion, is Damian Pierce because he's young. He's a rookie. Uh, we don't really know what he is. Uh, Marlon Mack, we, I mean, Josh knows, Jerry, you know how much I used to love Marlon Mack. 
I, I just, I, I just can't really make a full analysis on him, you know, cause he's played, he played, he, he tore his Achilles, played five years, five games last year, and then got shut down. We don't really know how healthy he is. Perhaps he's healthy coming to camp. Who knows what he's like about his, uh, uh, compared to his original sh- uh, self. I just, whenever, again, I see running backs coming off Achilles tears, I get concerned, um, you know, and they don't really have a lot invested in Mac. Uh, I'm rooting for him because I really like him as a player, uh, especially when he's at the Colts. He got a little bit of a bad hand with Jonathan Taylor coming in, but I, I do really like Marlon Mack. Uh, I, I am rooting for him personally. Uh, Rex Burkhead, they resigned him. I mean, he's 32 years old. It's Rex Burkhead. I don't know if we really need to go into it too much. Um, he's just, uh, I, it could be if a game, it ends up being, game or two. If it, <laughs> if it ends up being Rex Burkhead, I, I'm just going to be hey, he sad. Catch, he catches um, passes. He catches passes. Uh, I, hey, we'll I all just give up. Guys, I could it's too. Rex Burkhead. We'll all give up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if the 32 year old running back becomes the the first pick running back, and uh, I'm just the um, anyway. <laughs> uh, but funnily enough, when I, I had I had an eye for that that stat with the light the light front carry rate. Gaskin was one; he was number two. Uh, Rex Burke had, and he also averaged three point five yards per carry. So that was kind of just weird. Uh, I noticed that. I just have a bullet here that he's old. Um, but the guy I want to talk about is uh, is Damian Pierce. I think that if I'm very excited to see what Damian Pierce is able to do. I've talked about him a couple times on here. Um, he was a fourth round pick out of Florida. Uh, he was underutilized in college. Uh, I've seen so many times on different like Florida fan blogs or journalists saying that like, why isn't this guy playing more? Uh, their coach Dan Mullen was committed to using a committee for some reason. He got fired after this year. People made fun of him for not using Damian Pierce more. They thought that he was giving uh, preferred treatment to higher ranked recruits, things like that. Uh, he player profile comparison to Chris Carson, but he can also, I, I think he's, uh, can also uh, catch the ball decently can block well enough. I just think that there is a slight potential here that Damian Pierce could become a guy that's on the field 75 plus percent of the time. I think that the chance is there, maybe 70, 75 is a lot. I think the chance is there. I'm not saying it's likely or anything like that. I think that the chance is there. Uh, because the Texans probably won't be the best team this year. I think they'll be a bit better than what people are projecting, but I don't think they'll be the best team this year. So they'll be definitely looking to see what they have with Damian Pierce. They'll be looking to see if he's good. And if he is good, if he does do well in the NFL, they have all the reason in the world to play him. I'm not scared about Rex Burkhead. I'm not scared about a Royce Freeman, Marlon Mack a little bit, but he's also coming off an Achilles tear. So like if Damian Pierce is able to demonstrate that he is able to be an effective NFL running back. I don't see why he's not on the field 60, 65% of the time. He's able to show he's more than an effective running back. I could see him being on the field even more. Uh, Maybe not the beginning of the year, but definitely as the season progresses. Um, And the one knock I think is that he does have the fourth round draft capital. So it's a bit more of a crapshoot in that way, especially looking forward. Uh, But I think that Damian Pierce really had, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there. But also, I think Marlon Mack again. I just it's so hard to say, but I think it's decent value there if you're if you just want to try as a contender to see if you can get a running back that's going to get a significant amount of touches. So curious to see what y'all's thoughts are. Am I okay? Yeah, um, had a little trouble unmuting there. Yeah, 
I I don't know how to feel about the Houston uh, backfield. Um, you you brought up some good stats. I I like Damian Pierce for this season. It's just like I expect Damian Pierce to get a decent amount of work. I think seventy percent of snaps is a little bit high for my liking. Especially I'm saying when, best case, best case. Oh, realistic case. What do you expect? Realistic case, I would say at the beginning of the year or as training camp goes on, they really don't really know what's happening. I, I think I think they're going to kind of split it between maybe Mac Pierce, then Burkhead gets some third downs. And then I think Pierce will start to demonstrate he's better. And by the end of the year, he's getting about 60% of the running back snaps, I think, realistically. Okay. I mean, I can see that scenario playing out. Um, I just think people are writing off Marlon Mack a little bit too much. Like, yes, he has had the Achilles tear. Yes, there's a lot of uncertainty around like how healthy he'll be, how explosive he'll be when he comes back. I think just like the fact that he was able to play in a few games last year, although he wasn't very efficient just because like this is his first year off an Achilles tear. It's a very significant injury for a running back. But he comes back, um, plays a few games. He gets on the field, gets his feet under him. And beat reporters are saying that Marlon Mack kind of profiles in as the RB1. He's going to be the lead back for the Texans this year uh, to start the season at least. I can definitely see a scenario where Damian Pierce takes over, kind of assumes that lead role. And um, because Damian Pierce is just such an all-around back, he's a guy that just doesn't come off the field. I can definitely see that scenario happen- happening. I could also see a scenario where Marlon Mack kind of returns to form and is just this two down grinder. We know Marlon Mack doesn't catch any passes. So I expect, I expect Damian Pierce to come in. So whether Marlon Mack uh, is ex- as explosive as he once was or not, Damian Pierce will definitely be the third down back. Um, Rex Burkhead might take a few snaps here and there, but because just of how good a pass blocker Damian Pierce is, he will be in there and he can also p- catch passes. So that's an added boost for him. I just think Marlon Mack might take the early down touches. Um, it's possible. It's certainly possible. But I'm yeah. just saying, if the, if we're betting on Damian Pierce, if he's good enough to play those third down snaps, and but we're not, but we're not just chomping at the bit at the prospect of him not being able to be better than Marlon Mack off an Achilles tear. Like I, I feel like you know what I mean. Like it just seems like if that's all that it's reliant upon is that he's just not better than Marlon Mack in this situation, I'm all in on Damian Pierce. Even if it is a 50-50 chance, like I'm still completely all in. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. I mean, I actually like Marlon Mack as a runner, obviously before the tear, uh, but a career 4.4 yards per carry, and he was a good back. Uh, not great, but you're, I mean, you're right. Like Damian Pierce, he, yeah, yeah, he is. But Damian Pierce looks good on the tape. And mm-hmm. he does like, everything you see about him i mean he's a dog he's, yeah he he's runs aggressive he gets open in his routes he can catch the ball he snatches the ball out of the air he runs people over he's big he's fast he's not extremely fast but he he looks fast and he looks quick and like i mean he's probably better than marlon mack it, at least you know we might see it start off slow but i wish he was going a little bit later because he looks so fun to watch and he was not drafted that highly um, he was taken he in be, the first round of a, well, one of our dynasty drafts. Yeah, he, he, would, he would just be. A, I mean, he was taken mid first round, like 
like one seven seven's wild. Seven. Yeah. I mean, he would be a great sleeper that's, that's on expensive. a bad team. Like, yeah, yeah he's, he's on a, a bad pick. team. Like, nothing, nothing should point you there, but he had, like Kai said, I mean, he has the potential to be great. The offense has the potential to be better than a lot of people expect. Um, and I mean, I, I actually don't think you should just write Rex Burkhead off this year. They brought him in for a reason. I don't know why, but they did. Um, and he catches passes and he can pass block and he's done it for 12 years in the NFL. Like Damian Pierce is a good pass blocker for a college back, but he's not a 12 year veteran of the NFL that's played with Bill Belichick. He's going to get the field. He's going to get on the field uh, at least a little bit in the beginning of the year. Um, and so, but I do like Damian Pierce and I, I think he's, I, I can't say he's a buy for dynasty because of his value right now. Um, but I do think there's a chance that he's better than what the value, like as high as he is right now. I think there's a chance that he's a really good back and he continues uh to to show that in the NFL and be the lead back there, but we'll see um, if if he can do that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Roman, you articulated it very well. Um, I like Damian Pierce as a player. Don't get me wrong. I think that he'll be a good NFL back. Um, he definitely has a chance to be a uh, three down player. Um, don't get me wrong. I definitely do see that upside potential. Just the current ADP and the current price that you'd have to pay for Damian Pierce. It's a little bit too rich for my liking. It's uh, especially for fourth round running back. Um, it's it's tough to justify. Like Calvin took him in the first round of our uh, dynasty rookie draft. That that that's a little bit too expensive for my liking. Um, but if if he does slide to like the end of the second, I'm all for that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean. I would take him probably mid second at this point. I mean, mid second. I'm, I'm, I'm in on like, it. Er, early mid second, even. Um, but yeah, yeah. He's, he's, I mean, one seven is just ridiculous. Every, yeah, it's tragic. Absolutely tragic. Hate to see it. All right. So let's move on to our next uh, positional group here. Um, and we can go ahead and do wide receivers now. So our first wide receiver group, uh, we got the Chiefs wide receivers. Josh, take us away on what you what your thoughts are on that mess over there. Yeah, so this is a very interesting positional group because there is so much value to be had because these receivers are tied to the best quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes. And Last season, Patrick Mahomes threw the ball 600 times, and I don't see that changing. I think the NF the Chiefs' offense should stay relatively the same. They're going to utilize their $500 million man as much as possible. So there's a ton of targets to go around in this offense. Tyreek Hill left. He had 160 targets last year, so those targets have to go somewhere. So today I will break down kind of my analysis of who I think is going to receive those targets. Um, so kind of the way that I structured my analysis was I looked at it from a targets per route run uh, perspective. So like when a, an, a receiver runs a route on the field, how often are they being targeted? Um, so for example, Travis Kelsey last season was targeted on one out of every four routes. Um, so a 25% targets per route run rate out of all of the players that are on the Chiefs roster right now. That is by far and away the highest percentage. So I expect Travis Kelsey to technically be the wide receiver one for this team. Last season, he received 135 targets. 
because Tyreek Hill is leaving and I expect Travis Kelsey's role to only grow, I, I haven't penciled in for about 160 targets for this year. And that is the technically wide receiver one. But this wide receiver room is very, very ambiguous, very, very muddy. And I did some analysis based off like all the running backs, the receivers, the tight ends, what's their targets per route run uh, ratio and kind of how I looked at it. So I looked at Juju's 2020 season because that was the last healthy season that he played. He uh, earned 128 targets. That was second in the league during that year. He ran 629 routes. That was number one in the league during that year. So that's a 20% targets per route run. Um, and so I expect because Juju has that pedigree of earning those targets, um, even when running just an insane number of routes, I expect Juju to get about 100 targets this year. He's going to slot in as the second most player to receive targets on the team. I actually like Juju. I know I said in the past that like I'm a little bit wary on Juju's situation. I like but I Juju think, too. I think he's a buy in Dynasty. I actually just bought him a few weeks ago for a, a second, a 2023 second. Oh, that's great. And, um, like I, yeah, I'll nice. be taking that to the bank. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you'll Juju finally have a second. real quarterback that can throw it more than five yards down the field, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think Juju should slot in as the slot receiver. Um, so that's going to just be a ton of um, high-value targets for him to be eating up. He'll he'll be able to – he knows how to find his way open in the sh short-range scenario. So I like Juju to slide into that slot role. I have Miko Hardman at surprisingly a 21% targets per route run last year. Um, which is actually higher than Juju's in 2020 when he was healthy. But Miko only earned 83 targets, uh, which is actually higher than I thought it would be. Um, so I expect Miko Hardman to kind of basically be at the same level as he was last year. Kind of there's a lot of hype around Miko Hardman um, because he there's always hype around Miko Hardman for some reason. But... I don't think that he'll ever exceed the hype that he gets. Um, I haven't penciled in for 80 targets. Uh, that's actually fourth on my wide receiver depth chart. And actually, the guy that I want to talk about the most is Sky Moore. I have Sky Moore penciled in for 90 targets this year. I think that is going to be heavily weighted towards the back half of the season just because it takes a long time for rookie receivers to learn the position and assume a heavy volume role. The way that I did my analysis was... Sky Moore profiles in to be pretty similar to Golden Tate. They're, that's like the number one comparable on player profile. Um, they look similar. They're these stocky, short, stocky guys that are super explosive. And Sky Moore kind of profiles in exactly as a Golden Tate type receiver. Golden Tate, in his last healthy season in 2019, earned 85 targets on 361 routes run. That's a 24% targets per route run rate. That is pretty close in line. With Travis Kelsey, I think Sky Moore in the back half of the year is going to eat up a pretty significant target share. And so, like, it's, especially in Dynasty, like, Sky Moore is a definite buy right now, especially if you can get him in the back half of the first round, early second round. That is a steal for a player of the caliber of Sky Moore. Um, he's tied to the best quarterback in the best, in potentially the best offense in the NFL. Um, I can talk a little bit about MVS. MVS. Last season, only earned 55 targets and then for some, somehow earned a what, – what's MVS's contract? Do you guys know off the top of your head? 10, million, 10 million a year? 10 million. Yeah. That's absurd to me. Yeah, <laughs> like 
He so last season MVS ran 271 routes, 55 targets. That's a 20% targets per route run rate. Um, like it's it's decent, but he's not seeing that many targets just because he's kind of a decoy where he can kind of take the, the top off of the defense. So he just runs down the field, but he's not even on the field that much. Um, so I don't know why the Chiefs paid him $10 million and Juju only, what, $2 million? Some, something absurd. Open um, up the underneath for Juju and Sky. That's what it sounds like, but I don't know why you would pay $10 million for that type of player. Um, when you have someone like Miko Hardman who can do that for you for your team, maybe they expect to use MBS more than the Packers did, but it's not like MBS saw like a massive quarterback upgrade. So I don't see the upside scenario with MBS. Um, like, yeah, he'll get a touchdown here or there, and that's going to be like an 80 yard touchdown. So, like, maybe in best ball, I like MBS, but in dynasty, if you can sell MBS for anything more than a second round pick, you should do that immediately. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with your takes. I I, I like Juju this year. Um, I think Juju's kind of been, I mean, I think it's a bit silly, but he's been kind of just memed, honestly, for like the TikTok stuff and like kind of just being a goofball. Um, but that has nothing to do with how he is as a football player. I mean, he's still a good football player. I mean, he's had those injury problems. But also last year, uh, Andy Reid tried to sign him too. So there's been a guy he's been looking at for a while. You know, it's not just like, oh, he happens to be a free agent and we need a wide receiver. He's, he's been looking at him. Uh, so... I, uh, I I like I like Juju. I, I, I if I could get Sky, I wish I could have drafted Sky. I wanted to get him this year, but uh, I wasn't able to. But just it's an exciting opportunity to be tied to Mahomes, and uh, even if he, like you said, even if he doesn't produce right away, he doesn't have to. Uh, he really doesn't need to. And Mikol and MVS, I, I'm out on. Um, I've seen enough. I think MVS MVS is a fine football player. I mean, he could clearly has some sort of utility in the league. Miko just never didn't work out for him. He's fine. It's just nothing all that great there. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is, I mean, Travis Kelsey's the wide receiver one, like you said, but yeah, I, I could team. definitely see, yeah, I could definitely see Juju. I mean, I don't think like 80 for a thousand is that ridiculous. Um, no. So I, I could definitely see that. So I, I, I'm excited to see if Juju's able to rebuild his career a little bit. And he's also still really young, right? He's like 20, 25, he's 25. Yeah. So like he's still really young. He's been it's gonna be his fourth or fifth season. So this is his um, sixth season. The sixth season. Yeah. No way. Twenty five years old. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, he was he was very very young oh. coming out of the out of college. Yeah. I mean he's had he's had a hundred plus was hundred eleven reception season. I mean I know it was a couple of years ago, but like he's proven he can do it. And I mean I I, I saw like like Najee Harris led the league in running back receptions. Deontay Johnson was just like target every little underneath route you know so ben was not throwing the ball that far i mean <laughs> what was this what was this i think i saw some stat where his average release time was like 2.2 seconds per drop back dump off like every time for for ben that's like almost a full step you know um, <laughs> but yeah I, i'm excited for juju i i think he could do well this year yeah, I mean, shoot, go get Juju for a second if you can. That's a steal. I mean, oh, yeah. Juju should I be. be I want to be in that league. Yeah, that's that's like the average. That's like the price that he's going at right now. Juju yeah, for a second, crazy. like it's it's absurd. Unless you're in a super I'm sharp a, league, that's go that's get him. See who has. I'm go gonna see who has Juju in our league and just send an offer for a second. See what happens. <laughs> might have to. Uh, is it Trisman? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna text be. him right now. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean Sky, great at the end of the first. I love him there too. Uh, but 
best offense in the league. I don't know if I'd go there. Yeah, I that's think, fair. I that's think fair. I might go with my guys, the guys I was doing today, the Bills, the Bills wide receivers tied to Josh Allen, the number one quarterback in fantasy for two years now. I mean, that might be the best offense in the league. They were last year. They might be again this year. And they lost two of their wide receivers, uh, two of their main wide receivers last year, Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders leaving behind a ton of targets. Uh, Cole Beasley, 112 targets last year. Emmanuel Sanders, 72 targets last year. Uh, Cole Beasley played the slot, so a ton of slot uh, receptions and targets open. And uh, Emmanuel Sanders is probably going to be replaced by Gabe Davis on the outside. Uh, so a bunch of targets there for Gabe to soak up. Gabe had about 50 targets, uh, so another 72 open there on the outside is huge for him. Um, but they got a, quite a few receivers in Buffalo. I think we all know that Stefan uh, Diggs is going to be that wide receiver one there, uh, 160 targets, uh, pencil that in. And uh, like you can, I mean, you just know that's going to happen. Probably about 110 to 120 catches, uh, and maybe 12 to 1500 yards, just depending on how how much of a dog he decides to be this year. Uh, but Gabe Davis, I think a lot of people uh, are predicting the breakout. I know I am. I'm huge on the boy Gabe. I'm real excited. Obviously, the four for four touchdowns at 200 yard. Uh, performance in the playoffs is is just huge, uh, and it made everybody really jump on the Gabe Davis train. Um, but I, I mean, I love Gabe Davis already. I'm really excited. He's a he's a six two two thirty now. He bulked up about twenty pounds in the off season. He's only twenty three years old, and he's shown now last year that he can produce. Now, not at a consistent every every down basis last year, but they weren't playing him that way. Cole Beasley there, like I said, at 112 targets, and Emmanuel Sanders had 70. Uh, they like they were seeing the field, and the, the coaching tra- staff didn't trust Gabe to be that number two. But this year, all they they brought in Khalil Shakir, a fifth round pick, uh, a, pick 148 overall. Uh, not a ton of competition there. And then they also brought in Jameson Crowder, who's much more of a slot guy who now projects to be the starter in the slot. Um, but they've really gave, uh, gave Isaiah that. McKenzie. Uh, yeah, but again, Isaiah McKenzie is a slot guy. And they also have Jake Kumbro and Tavon Austin, two kind of more slot uh, type profile guys. Um, and so I love G- Gabe's uh, opportunity there on the outside with probably or one of the biggest arms in the league and Josh Allen. Uh, a guy who loves to throw it deep, uh, loves to sling it around the field, and Gabe, who can break ankles, run crisp routes, and is learning from one of the best receivers in the league in Stefan. Now, I don't expect him to take over wide receiver one duties. Like I said, Stefan is going to be that dog. But Gabe now coming in with a ton of targets gone, uh, he should soak up a lot of that. Now, Jamison, I expect Jamison Crowder to maybe get 80, maybe even 90 targets this year. Uh, he has commanded targets in the past. Uh, Josh Allen does like to throw to his slot receiver, and they paid Jamison to come in and be the starter. The beat, the beat reporters say that he's probably going to be the starter. Uh, but Jamison's like 29 years old. He's been in the league for a long time. In Dynasty, uh, he's not the buy, uh, in my opinion. Uh, you could still get Gabe in around the 10th round right now. Um, every pick of the 10th round, I would take Gabe. Uh, there, there's no chance I would pass up on that value in one of the best receivers or best, uh, best offenses in the league, maybe the best, uh, tied to a quarterback, young quarterback for at least six years, probably his entire career. Uh, and Gabe is only 23 and he's a big, strong, fast receiver, still learning the game. And the offense, uh, 
offensive coaching staff has put their trust into him by not bringing in a, a, a big name receiver. Um, obviously, a lot of people did kind of like Khalil Shakir before the draft, but he's six foot 195 and fell to the fifth round. Uh, he's a fast guy at a 4 4 3. Um, and he did show his stuff at Boise State, um, 77 yards for 100 uh, or 1,117 yards and seven touchdowns in only 12 games at Boise State. So he is a good receiver. Um, I do expect that they'll want to get him on the field, but I don't expect it'll be this year. And I, I don't expect that he's going to be able to beat Gabe out. Gabe has shown on the NFL field that he can produce and beat these corners. And as a number two receiver, I'm really excited in this offense. So I love yes. I love Gabe. Yeah, yeah, so Gabe Davis, uh, I'm a huge fan of him this season. I like to target the inefficiencies between redraft, best ball, and dynasty. Right now in best ball and redraft, Gabe Davis is going at the beginning of the fourth round, sometimes even the end of the third round. Super, super premium draft capital. But in dynasty, for him to go in like the 10th the round, that's mm -hmm. just pure profit right there. Um especially in a format like Dynasty where youth is valued very, very highly. I cannot believe that Gabriel Davis, like he hasn't seen more of a shift in ADP. He hasn't seen more of a shift in value in Dynasty. I think that's more of like, I honestly, I couldn't tell you what it is. Um, it's it's the, really confusing The best ball leagues have pushed him up so far that I just, I don't quite understand the gap, yeah. but I, I'm definitely scared in the best ball leagues because I do think he's going to be great, but like late third, fourth is scary, but you love That's him in Dynasty scary. right now. Love him in Dynasty where he's at for a young receiver tied to a great offense. Yeah, I've been I've been doing a ton of best ball drafts and like I, I want as many bill stacks as I can get, but they're just so expensive. It's almost impossible so to get. It's impossible to get a Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen stack, and it's almost impossible to get a Josh Allen Gabriel Davis stack. So like, you gotta start all three first <laughs> Bills first three rounds, and you got them. That's only. I mean, you gotta be super way. super bullish. I don't know. I don't know. If I'm that high <laughs> uh, a couple a couple thoughts I have here. Um, first, I mean, today seemed like what like Buffalo Bills like training camp Christmas. Like, I don't know what what the deal was with their beat reporters but they were looking they were working overtime to make those players sound like uh, just amazing like everyone was getting hyped today i don't know what the deal was with that um uh first they were talking how like now isaiah mckenzie's like gonna be the slot receiver i don't know i think they brought in crowder for a reason i don't i'm with jared here on this i think that's just smoke and mirrors i think i mean crowder has been that guy for a while i'm excited for him to actually finally go to like a good offense <laughs> he's been on washington and the jets which is just terrible mm -hmm. and abysmal um so i'm excited for him there i i'm rooting for him uh, as a washington fan i hope that he gets good opportunity there and takes over his uh cole beasley's role um my main thing with gabriel davis is that I like the player. Yes. I think his value right now is his ceiling. I think where he's valued at right now is his ceiling. I'm a bit concerned about that. And I'm wondering, uh, I'm leaving this as an open question because it's not an answer that I have found yet, but where are the targets coming from that Gabriel Davis is going to do so much better uh, this year? Is, 72 is it, from Emmanuel Sanders. He's Emmanuel Sanders yeah, outside yeah. receiver. No, I know. I know. 100 from Cole Beasley, right? Yeah, but he's more of a slot guy. Hundred. Yeah, but well, like, I, I, like I, he's going to look for Gabriel Davis over like Jameson Crowder, right? I'm still, you know, Josh actually likes to throw in the slot, but so I think he's probably going to still get like maybe 100 or so targets to the slot. But so do you think that? Do you think that 
uh, he's going to get like all of those lost Emmanuel Sanders targets yeah, along, like, step, step, alongside alongside all of the targets yeah, that yeah, Stefan's not getting last year. like 190. Like Stefan already gets 160 plus. Like he's you can't you can't give Stefan 200 targets a year. And so though there's still 100 because you that nobody's ever done that before. It's not going to happen. And <laughs> so good. And, and so I I'm, just, I'm just saying though, like 160 uh, targets, maybe 170. Even if you got 180, there's still 50 extra targets for uh for Gabe. Those are outside targets I, that nobody else on the but, team so plays. Like, they don't have another I, I good know. outside receiver to to play with. And and so it's going to be Gabe on the outside. And so I I'm excited because I I don't think that Crowder steps outside. I don't think that. Mackenzie steps outside, and I don't think Kumro steps outside, and I don't think Tavon Austin steps outside. And I think Khalil Shakir Shakir is a fine player, but he's a rookie. It's going to take him a while, and he I don't think he's as good as Gabe Davis. Uh, so I think that there's at least 50 extra targets coming Gabe's way, which gets him to at least 100. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm looking at Sanders' stats last year, and I think Davis is better this year, but. Uh, you know, I, I also do see there is inevitably going to be some sort of backfill on what Davis received last year. So I'm just I'm a little hesitant. I think I think the scenario that we're drawing up for Gabriel Davis is just his absolute best case scenario where he receives all those Emmanuel Sanders targets. He receives he and Emmanuel Sanders mold into one person and nothing else is backfilled. You know, like I, I, I like Gabriel Davis as a player. Even it just seems a bit idealistic. I'm rooting for it. Cause it sounds fun, but it just, it, it just, you know, I, I, just, I, routes. I, I, I he's been learning uh, from the boys. I mean, he's been learning from the boys. <laughs> I'm I mean, excited. if the couple of Chiefs players just don't fall down, are we having this conversation? You know, like, I mean, maybe I if he mean, didn't have the greatest head fake of all time, I mean, he wouldn't have broken so many, <laughs> broken so many ankles. Guess, Who else has I had mean, 200 man, yards I've, and four touchdowns in the playoffs? Not nobody, many, not many nobody, guys. Nobody, not many, nobody. But I mean, he also didn't start over Actually, Emmanuel 10 guys. Sanders last Emmanuel year. Emmanuel Sanders you know? is is a good receiver, and he was he was fine is last he, year besides getting hurt. Yeah, I Emmanuel mean, Sanders career wise, Emmanuel Sanders is very good. Uh, but yeah, he's no super good, year, but he couldn't you know, beat out in a 34 year old Emmanuel yeah, Sanders. Gabe was last in his year. second year and he was still learning the position. He's raw and now he's in his third year, more more refined, bulked up, been learning the position. Oh, yeah, no, I, I agree with all ready. those things. I just uh, think we're projecting there. him at the he's best there. case. That's all. I think Not we're in guys, guys let me give you a list. Let me give you a list of NFL wide receivers with 200 plus receiving yards in the playoffs. Okay, let's do it. All right, number one, Eric Molds. 1999. I don't even know who that is. Number two, Anthony Carter. 98. I don't know who that is either. I'll actually just stick the list. I'll filter the list. <laughs> Eric Mould is solid. Eric Mould is solid. 2000. Okay. T.Y. Hilton. 2014. Okay. Pretty good player. Reggie Wayne. 2005. Hall of Famer. Steve Smith. 2006. Pretty good. Jerry Rice. 1989. Calvin Johnson. 2012. Bum. Demarius, Demarius Thomas. <laughs> oh, 2012. don't even joke. It's about a pretty it. good list. That's a pretty good <laughs> no, list. No, it's a good list. But I, on eight catches, yeah, that it it, it, <laughs> it it makes <laughs> sense. It makes sense that the players that are good, I mean, that have had 200 yards a game, but also or 200 yards in a playoff game. But I mean, 
it also like Jared says eight catches. It's kind of it's a little bit of an anomaly. You know, it's not like he had like 15 Dog. catches for 220. You know, I mean, I'm like again, again, they maybe it means something. Ball. But again, yeah. I feel like we're just we're just I mean, unless we think he's gonna be one of those types of players, then he's then he's then he's priced fairly. But I just I I, I feel like he would have shown it in more than just a game, a bit more consistently. I mean, but Perlman said 10th round ADP in Dynasty. That's kind I of I mean, sweet. yeah, I I wouldn't take him like third round, but uh I I mean in Dynasty, I'd start looking at him at the seventh, sixth round, maybe even. Oh yeah. Uh, and oh, yeah. and you know, uh, I think he could easily be a third round to second round value next year, uh, if he performs as a great, like as a great number two, as at twenty three years old and on one of the best offenses in the league, tied to one of the best quarterbacks in the league, he has only the opportunity to grow in value if he performs as what we expect him to perform. Then his value is just going to be even higher. Do you think he can be a one Perlman? I mean, that's yet to be seen. He he hasn't even shown well, that he can really be a two. I I, I yeah. I mean, he's well. He's not. He's not being like val. I'm not saying draft him in the third round. I'm saying if he's being drafted this late in the seventh or later, and like then that that shows like he doesn't have to be a one yet. And if he is a one, if he does show that this year, then his value is going to skyrocket even more because of where he is. And I mean, he clearly, I can't say he's a one yet because he hasn't shown that he's a one in the, in the league. He, I mean, he hasn't shown that, but he's, he's just in his, he's in his third year. Now he's coming into his third year in the league. Players don't normally come into the league like Jamar and Justin Jefferson and Michael Pittman and these guys that are DJ Moore that come in and take the league by storm year one year two. Like players don't normally do that. Third year is normally the breakout for wide receivers and I mean, I hope it's this year for him. Maybe it takes him longer. Maybe he never does it. But I, you got to give him a couple years. I mean, he hasn't shown it this year, so or yet. So hopefully, it's this year. And I think it is. Um, and he showed it in the playoffs, obviously. But um, we'll we'll see for a full year. And I, I think it's this year. Probably. I'm curious on your thoughts because, like, I mean, we, we've talked a bunch about Gabriel Davis being drafted super highly and redrafting um, best ball. What do you think the percent probability of Gabriel Davis finishing as a top 12 wide receiver this season is? Probably like 10%, maybe. You mean 10%? Okay. Okay. I mean, he, look, cool. the, the path is there. I mean, again, it's a high powered offense and he scores touchdowns. Gabe scores a lot of touchdowns. He uh, does. Yeah. I, I think he had 10 last year. Um, and he has like the most, like, he scores the most touchdowns per like route run in the league it's yeah it's he, had, he had six touchdowns last year six i was actually looking at his stats the stats from his rookie year last year like near identical uh yeah five catches both years 599 yards the first 549 last year seven touchdowns the first six the second seven, so seven. um i mean i think that's largely yeah i mean I, I like i said i like gabriel davis maybe i mean he sees the expanded role but um i don't want to belabor that point anymore we can go ahead and move on to our uh, final positional group today in which we have Josh going up. up with uh, the Packers wide receivers, AKA the, the Christian Watson slander session. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's get into it. Let's see what these thoughts are. And uh, yeah, what do you got? Okay. So I'd like to start it off with a question for you two. Who do you guys think are the best receivers that are not even best receivers the best football players in the packers offense right now aaron jones well aaron, aaron jones Rogers, aaron jones okay yeah. well apart jones, from aaron Rodgers, jones and tunyon baby jones tunyon, tunyon okay i can get on board with that Goat. i like lazard but 
That's the tendency. Like Lazard, you can do I don't like Lazard. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of Lazard this season. But um, okay, let me let me get into my analysis. So the way that I kind of like looked at the offense was this offense looks very very similar to um, let's say the 2017 Saints offense, where we have two elite running backs in AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, kind of similar to Alvin Kamara and um, Mark Ingram where both of those guys finished in the top five running backs in fantasy. And mm-hmm. it's, there are, let me, let me, let me check my, let me check my numbers. There are 225 vacated targets in this offense with both Devonte Adams and uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling leaving this offense. So there, somebody's got to catch the passes. And last season, Aaron Jones saw 65 targets on 255 routes, route runs, routes run, that gives him a 26% targets per route run, even higher than Travis Kelsey last season. In one game where Devontae Adams didn't play at all last season, Aaron Jones, that was against Arizona in week eight of last year, Aaron Jones saw 11 targets. The previous year, where Devontae Adams missed three games, Aaron Jones saw four targets in week four against New Orleans, five targets in week four against Atlanta, and eight targets in week two versus Detroit. I did that a little bit backwards. Sorry about that. Um, But that's an average of seven targets a game whenever Devontae Adams is not on the field. If we expand that out to a 17-game season, that's well over 130 targets. I don't expect Aaron Jones to see 130 targets just because he's a running back. But I do have him penciled in for 100 targets this year, just because like it's not out of it's not out of the question where we could see Aaron Jones commanding 100 targets and let's say like 70, 80 receptions, like Perlman said at the beginning of the show. Um, so I have Aaron Jones as just he has the potential to be the RB one this season. So I'm a big fan of Aaron Jones this year. AJ Dillon also last year was actually right behind Aaron Jones in terms of targets per route run. He saw 37 targets on 151 uh, routes run. So AJ Dillon is kind of right there. That's with, a lot of routes. I didn't think he ran that many routes. Yeah, I didn't think so either. But it's it's a it's a bit surprising. He had 37 targets. Like he yeah. he can he can catch the ball. So I think Jones and Dillon are both going to kind of see that elevated target share, very similar to the Saints back in 2017. Back in 2017, Alvin Kamara saw 100 targets. Mark Ingram saw 71 targets. I don't see that as out of the question for this Packers backfield this season. So if we, let's say, attribute 100 targets to Aaron Jones, 70 targets to A.J. Dillon, very similar to the Saints back in 2017, that leaves us, starting with Aaron Rodgers, let's say 500 pass attempts because he loses Devontae Adams. He passed like 520 times last season. Um, His career average is around 500 pass attempts, especially with Matt LaFleur as the uh, uh, head coach. I expect the offense to be pretty similar. It's going to be high powered. It's going to be focused around the defense. Like just play smart football. Um, I know Kai's is doesn't like Matt <laughs> smart LaFleur. football like from the floor. I don't know. <laughs> okay, maybe not smart football, but he's winning got, football. He's got to make it more challenging sure. for Rogers. Regular so season, interested. regular season, winning regular football. season winning. That's right. Regular that's right. season winning. They went. They won like 14, <laughs> yeah. 13 games every year as him. I guess with that's him fantasy. As coach. Regular season winning. Yeah, yeah. slow pace not, not of play. Yeah. But that leaves us with 100 to Jones, 70 to Dylan. That leaves us 330 targets to basically split out between the the receivers and the tight end. 
which isn't a whole lot to go around. There isn't a corollary between this year's Packers and the 2017 Saints because Michael Thomas ate, ate up 170 targets that season. There is no comparable player to Michael What do you Thomas. mean? Christian Watson's there. <laughs> they were drafted in the same round. Slant that's God, pretty, Christian that's, Watson. That's where it Slant ends. God. <laughs> Slant God. My kind of comparable player for Christian Watson, I've said it a bunch of times in the show, is MVS. Um, maybe Christian Watson is a better player than MVS. Maybe. I don't know. I struggle to believe that just based off the film and his stats. The 16% drop rate is a little bit worrying, but I do think Christian Watson will earn about 60 targets on the year. Um, those should be deep balls. We'll see if he catches them. I don't know. Um, but I have Christian Watson penciled in for 60 targets. That leaves us with Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, and Robert Tunyon. I have Alan Lazard penciled in for 100 targets um, just because he, he saw 60 targets last year. He is a hardworking player. Um, when Devontae Adams is not on the field, Alan Lazard actually does produce. I think two seasons ago when Devontae Adams missed that game against New Orleans, Alan Lazard saw like five receptions for 125 and two touchdowns. Um, he's been able to produce at that level. Um, Aaron Rodgers seems to trust him. So I like Alan Lazard to see a decent target share. I don't think he's like this next level, like otherworldly player. I think his ceiling's a little bit capped because of that. Um, so I have Alan Lodge penciled in for 100 targets, maybe like 60 receptions, like 800 yards and like five touchdowns. I could see that being a very realistic scenario for Alan Lazard. He is a bit of a buy in Dynasty because he's super, he's super, super under, undervalued for the production that he's going to see. Um, but if you are a rebuilding team, I'd like to sell Alan Lazard just because this might be his one and only sell window because I expect uh, Alan Lazard to kind of phase out of the offense. But that leaves us with Sammy Watkins and um, Bob Tunyon. I actually like Sammy Watkins to see a decent amount of work in this offense just because there isn't a whole lot of talent in that receiver room. Last year with Patrick Mahomes, Sammy Watkins saw 50 targets. I think he'll see maybe a little bit more than that just because in last year's Kansas City receiver room, there was Tyree Kill, there was Travis Kelsey. There isn't either of those caliber players in this year's offense. So Sammy Watkins, I have him penciled in for about 60 targets. That leaves us with Bob Tunyon. I have Bob Tunyon penciled in for 70 to 80 targets. Um, his career high back in He'll get a lot of touchdowns was, too, I think. Was 60. Yeah, he scored like 11 touchdowns on 59 targets back in 2020. Yeah. Which is an insane touchdown rate. Rogers just loves him in the red zone. I expect that to not change at all. Um, but my two guys to get in this offense are definitely Aaron Jones and Alan, uh, sorry, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. They're both, uh, great buys at their current ADPs. I think Aaron Jones goes in like the fourth, fifth round of dynasty startups, maybe even later. And then AJ Dillon goes in like the eighth, ninth. Um, I think both of those guys should, um, exceed their ADP in terms of value. They're the Packers are going to lean heavily on the running backs this season. So I like both of them to kind of exceed value because they're just going to be utilized so heavily in this offense. 
Yeah, I, think. I agree. I mean, when you're really talking about the Packers wide receiver core in terms of fantasy options, you, you're kind of looking more at the running backs. Uh, I, I think that both of them are, are great buys right now. Like they, Josh said, I mean, I think A.J. Dillon is a better receiving back than I thought, but uh, we all know that Aaron Jones is a great receiving back, and I, I expect him to get 100 targets. I think 100 targets is well within his possibilities um, because of just how good he is. Um, and the lack of skill in the rest of the room. Um, I think that uh, your targets are, are pretty online with what I would uh, say, except maybe I'd probably chop off about 10 targets uh, from Sammy and, and uh, uh, Lazard. But uh, other than that, I mean, I think you're pretty much right on online with what I think, and uh, your analysis is is pretty good. Um, I think Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to love to throw to his running backs and love to throw to his tight end in the end zone. And we're going to get lots of runs and lots of running backs involved. And, and there's not going to be a ton of value for those other guys. Um, but you know, if you can sell Lazard as a rebuilder, if you can go buy him uh, for super, super cheap um, as a contender from a rebuilder or something uh, you know, you could do that too, but I like it. Yeah. Um, I think the window to right. buy Lazard is, has passed a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, I think if you wanted to buy him, you should have read the situation last, or I guess it would be tough to inter- to think they would trade Devonte, but yeah, you know, that, um, <laughs> it's kind of, read the team <laughs> come on. You just have yeah. to, you just have to be able to How read could you not see the future? How could you not see Devonte was going to leave? It was clear as day. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, being a bit facetious, but I, I, I think that. You know, like now it's just he's just one of those guys. You've probably had him for so long at this point that you probably just don't really want to sell him unless you got a really good offer. And especially now he's getting some buzz now. Christian Watson, we know there's, there's the red flag. So, I mean, you know, it's going to be tough to buy him now anyways because whoever got him just drafted He's him. a run-blocking so, receiver. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Insane points to run, run block. Blocker. That's my league, right? He's, yeah, he's yeah. a great run-blocker. Don't get me wrong. He's going to be on the field. I mean, if you get points for run-block, dude, go out. Get yeah. Christian Watson your first. Oh, round. for sure. I'm starting a uh, points for run block panky. league, so yeah. I I think this wide receiver situation is a mess, and I uh it makes me excited for Tunyon this year, though. I think he uh he'll be able to recover from that ACL and do pretty well. I hope two, so. Sorry. Um two guys which I were was surprised by their targets per route run last year were Amari Rogers and Josiah Deguera. Um, Amari Rogers only saw eight targets on 39 routes run. So like it's super, super small <laughs> sample size. There are some reports that Amari Rogers might see a little bit of work. Like they saying that he's taking the sli- a slightly step forward. He might eat a little bit into Randall Cobb's target share. I don't expect Randall Cobb to receive like a huge target share or anything. I haven't penciled him for 40 targets. Um, but just because Aaron Rodgers like trusts the guy, he wanted him on the team. Josiah Zagara actually was a little bit interesting because he actually earned 35 targets last year on 184 routes run, and that's a 20%, 21% targets per route run rate. That's actually even higher than Bob Tunyon's 2020 season. So I'd be interested to see if Bob Tunyon starts the year off a little bit slow because he is still coming off that injury. Um, has he been, was he added to the pup or is he cleared to, to, to return? Oh, I actually don't think I, I saw his target him. date. I saw his target date is August 4th for like full clearance to return to football activities. I'm just curious. Cause I haven't yeah, seen any updates. He's on, on, he's on the pup. Yeah. He's on the, pup. he's on the pup. Okay. Yeah. If for whatever reason, if Bob, uh, Christian Watson's on the go. pup too, actually. 
Oh, he is. Yeah, Christian Watson. I didn't know that. Yeah, like my whole team's on the pup. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I I think Watson. This is bad for Watson because he needs all the time that he can yeah. get with Rogers to get that trust, that rapport, and learn how to catch, perhaps too. So, um, what's the injury? If it, I don't know if they've been super open about it. Um, is it foot? I don't think it's. I don't think it's anything. Like yeah, I have no idea. Worrisome. Let me see if I can see if I find anything. I mean. It's it's something to take note of whenever I could hydraulic uh, lens in the pup. Definitely, but the pup, I mean, you can come off at any time, so yeah, it's not that big can. of a deal. But I guess you know, obviously, they do want all their you know as much time with Rogers as you can. And uh, about Deguara, I will say like that's interesting how much he earned, but it also kind of feels like Aaron Rodgers loves a big body, and he kind of saw him out there and was like, "This guy is like I can like just throw it up, and I'll definitely hit this guy. Like I know how to throw the ball, and yeah, it's going to hit huge. this big target. Like that yeah. just kind of to me is how it feels with Aaron Rodgers sometimes. And so like Deguara was out there as the big body tight end and like that is going to be what Tunyon is now as the better player coming in next year so uh ho- hopefully he's healthy and is able to start the year off on the field but yeah, yeah, that's, loves yeah, yeah he, he just loves to chuck that thing up i think <laughs> that <laughs> richard like, rogers oh. hail mary yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what popped into my mind when you said just loves to throw it up to the big guys he does and and, uh, and uh, speaking hey, of Rogers, Amari Rogers, terrible. Amari Rogers. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll throw it up to Christian Watson, and it'll go right through Christian yep. Watson's hands. <laughs> and that'll be the last time he ever throws to Christian Watson. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our final ambiguous positional group. Uh, so thanks everyone for uh, listening uh, to this episode. We really appreciate. It. Hope you got some good insight into. Uh, what we were thinking about these different uh, groups here today and their ambiguity. Bit of a longer episode, so thanks for sticking with us. Uh, and we'll look forward to uh, hey, and uh, so next week. If you uh, if there's any any position groups that you guys want to learn about and you think that we didn't cover that are ambiguous, uh, drop a comment in any of the platforms: YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or uh, Twitter, and let us know, and we'll be happy to cover it on one of the next episodes. So thanks so much again for listening to the whole thing. Love you guys. Yes, sir. Appreciate thanks, it. all. Yep.